the number one rule is you do not make contact with it when it's molten. Like once it's been, right. once it's cool, like as soon as it hits the air, it's cool and right. it, it's solid. You're fine to touch it because you have to collect it and put it back in. But when it's in its liquid state, yeah, you do not like nobody knows what happens. Like maybe right. there was one guy that touched it like at the very <laughs> beginning and they kind of lost track of that guy. And they're like, we don't even know what happened to Bob that touched the glob, but... Like a coffee enthusiast who tried mixing like bean, like pinto beans, or or like high fiber with the the concentrated coffee that they were creating, and made some sort of like like flatulence inducing serum. Do you have to drink the serum, or is it injectable, or is it what's the how do they? I think they they just took it once and it was enough to to blow out their intestines. I thought they gave people flatulence. I was misunderstanding. Ooh. Weaponized flatulence. <laughs> Wait, I like your idea way better. I think what you said is genius because in the way that a barista like crafts perfect, it takes pride in crafting perfect cups of coffee. Right. Um, this person uh, finds the value in like a healthy digestive system. <laughs> 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 the iceberg. An iceberg, a climate scientist was trying to turn into like, like, I don't know, that put some, a bunch of robotic equipment in, but then the like iceberg took over and it, and, and it has to do with the iceberg breaking off too. Like it, this chunk breaks off and that like activates something in it or something. I don't like know. Like that, that chunk activates the. Dude, it, like, what if it was, um, like, somebody was doing some sort of climate change study about icebergs, and, like, they were trying to use, like, cybernetic technology to, like, track and, like, maybe manipulate the, the course of, like, icebergs moving and, and distributing throughout the ocean, and that's, like, that's where this yeah, thing... Yeah, like, they were, they were trying to use it to track information or something and the movement, and, and in doing so, like, they used a bunch of... Uh, uh, machine learning systems yeah. that that then like took on uh, the you know kind of a life of its own and and the the then the ice borg went out to like target bad companies and governments and things yes. so it's like shooting it <laughs> I don't know why That's... shooting lasers I just picture an iceberg shooting lasers yeah. and that makes me so happy it's <laughs> just like this one peak and it just like suddenly starts to glow and it's just like <laughs> like shoots Dude. a big laser if there's one uh, teammate that the world needs in the fight against climate change it's uh, an iceborg 
<laughs> okay. And the Anvalanche. I just imagine, like, I imagine this character that can just create um, instead of, you know, landslides or avalanches, like it just creates these cascades of of anvils just out of like out of thin air. I would picture too. For some reason, I envision that he like travels around on this in this like anvilanche that he's like standing on top of it, yes. like as it moves forward, like he's uh, sort of surfing on it. Ah, uh, it so, just destroys everything in its path. In, yeah, in his wake, it's just like piles and piles of of anvils <laughs> and destroyed whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, did I just make another villain? <laughs> and then he can, like, uh, maybe I could see him being a hero, but he'd be one of those heroes who, like, his, his the cost is that he just destroys everything. Yes. Yeah, he's kind of a force of nature. Do you think he's it, some sort of a blacksmith or, like, a construction worker? Like, does he does he make stuff while he's doing that? In my brain, mm-hmm. anvils are used by the coyote... <laughs> To try to destroy the Roadrunner. So it was just, only when you said blacksmith that I went, oh, right. <laughs> Anvils are actually a thing that's used in the world. <laughs> that's not just a cartoon prank. Uh, so you can go two ways. It could be that he's a blacksmith, or it could just be that he grew up on classic cartoons and has a fondness for dropping anvils on people. I... I completely forgot that in my notes for this one, yeah, my last note was that maybe he watched a lot of cartoons as a kid, and that influenced his mega manifesta- manifestation. <laughs> there is a real cascade of creativity in the Mega HQ as Adam and Luke decide on their chosen mega for this week's person grew up is kind of a um a stereotypical like children of the television child of the television age who, who grew up watching uh reruns of old looney tunes cartoons and especially roadrunner and wiley e. coyote cartoons and really just those cartoons in general always ha- like there were anvils that was right. that was a pretty heavy like oh yeah that's a good pun that was a pretty heavy element and uh heavily used element in those cartoons so this kid is infatuated with these cartoons and especially this use of anvils. Like they, maybe this kid lives in a, in a family or is grows up. They don't see people using anvils for their real purpose. Um, he's, he's grown up thinking that anvils are literally just to be like chucked at people or dropped on top of people or, or to weigh something down. He doesn't, he didn't understand for a long time what they, what the real purpose was. And then right. he, like he grows up and because like, like realizes, Oh, this is an actual tool. And I could, I could become a person who uses this all the time. And then like dumped all of this passion from the cartoon into like becoming this, like a blacksmith. I think that's amazing. And I also, this is maybe gets, maybe this is too much. Is there such a thing as too much? Nope. What if, what if he love his love of cartoons, 
drove him to become a digital animator or something like he gets into making creating contemporary animation that's what he does and then he like has some chance meeting with someone or or or, you know he, he encounters the idea of working with metals and actually using an anvil and and maybe he like gets into doing that and making like and he wants to combine the two arts like he has this desire to bring like the 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 creative uh from scratch imaginative elements of animation with the like real life actual materials of uh metal works yes yes so oh man so he's like he he's not just like a blacksmith or a, or a metal worker he's like a metal entertainer he's a metal yeah. or even he could go even further and like he's a metal developer like he maybe he goes to the he gets to the point like he starts developing like kind of quantum physics related uh abilities to like use anvils in different ways like he comes up with like this quantum anvil that can be summoned <laughs> from anywhere like he can just summon an anvil like out of out of space and time and it just arrives and then he can do whatever he wants with it and then like does that make sense is that that might be i think i might have just i might have just touched the too much i might have gone to the too much line. no it's not too much i just don't understand part of it <laughs> i i mean i i guess i think i in order to make it make some level of sense i, I want to avoid it becoming like that he gets into like 3d printing yeah, and like yeah. actual like i but i maybe it's that like somewhere between his work as an animator and a storyteller that way as a visual storyteller and the and maybe as a as a metal worker he largely does like large art pieces or right. something and they involve a certain amount of movement and it's that he's trying to uh, capture that same storytelling element of animation in the movement of these it's like it's like a a next iteration of like a steampunk kind of genre only it's all like it's just like yes very like metal static pieces but that are made to look like they're moving like a like an <laughs> like a piece of animation or something and all part of that is incorporating the and like incorporating the the process the anvil in the process and the anvil is like maybe every piece ultimately gets destroyed by an anvil in the end or something <laughs> like he his his the finale of every installation is that like a anvil crushes part of the part of the piece it's like a steampunk gallagher show <laughs> that's good uh, that's pretty awesome. And, and like, he keeps wanting to get bigger and bigger. Like he wants, he's, right. he's like the David Copperfield or, yeah. uh, or Chris Angel of like metallurgy entertainment. <laughs> and so he's like constantly pushing the envelope of like what he can do with the, with these projects. I wonder if like he would ever then like start just trying to experiment with, how do I, so if I can take metal and create the illusion of animation, I wonder if I could take animation and create the illusion of, create the like weight of reality or something. Like how do I take project a story? Like maybe he's trying to work with projections or something. Yes. He's like, how do I make it so that these projections are the animation, but out of that materializes a real anvil or yes. a real piece of metal. 
and he create, comes up with some kind of crazy, maybe just like a, a combination of the materials he's using and this, um, the like ways in which he's trying to cross the streams or whatever. I, <laughs> what if he reaches out like he's maybe he's being funded by like a, a university or something that so they've been putting a lot of money into this and he's got like some researchers kind of in his pocket mm-hmm. and and one of them kind of has this like really kind of pseudoscience kind of new new creation or discovery it's like this polymer or alloy that that's um maybe it's a replicating alloy that he they're like you you know you destroy so much stuff in your shows like we've been working on trying to make something that's reusable that you can that actually has the weight and the 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 strength of your your like, metal and can generate but it, it can regenerate and we can right. we can collect the stuff that that's used during the show and actually kind of compile it back into this this glob or this tank or whatever right. and you can just constantly create these these anvils from this this alloy x or something that's good and maybe 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 initially he even like he incorporates it into the show and it becomes a thing that he can like create these what seems seemingly create anvil and metal structures in an instant and it's really that he's just manipulating this 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 substance this metallic substance this metal of some sort but that at some point something goes horribly wrong and he gets the 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 the, the, he somehow like comes into contact with the metal in a way that's toxic it's supposed like it's the number one rule is you do not make contact with it when it's molten like once it's been once it's cool like as soon as it hits the air it's cool and it's solid you're fine to touch it because you have to collect it and put it back in but when it's in its liquid state yeah you do not like nobody knows what happens like maybe right. there was one guy that touched it like at the very <laughs> beginning and they kind of lost track of that guy. And they're like, we don't even know what happened to Bob that touched the glob, but we don't want, <laughs> we don't want that to happen to you yes. because we're, you're, you're, we've gotten so much attention from the public with your, with your show. And maybe and then, he's like so draw, so driven to, to, to take this show to the next level that he just thinks if only I could like, with my body yeah, control just, it like it's because he's he's everything that he envisions like everything that happens he you know it's the 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 delay between creative like imagination and right. creation like you can yeah. think it so much faster than you can make it normally and this he's you're absolutely right he's like i want to just be able to think it and make it occur and just yeah. have this just instantly happen on the stage yeah he has this like creator complex that's yes. tied into all of it. Oh yeah, he because he's create uh, and destroy and create exactly. and destroy. And because he's he's obviously he's so influenced by cartoons and creativity and and doing that side of it, he has that artist's kind of mentality of the god complex kind yeah. of instilled in his in his mind. But he's also working with these. He's got a very practical side to it as well. So do you think this guy, do you think he's a student there? Or do you think he's someone that, that came up with this, this idea and approached the the university or, or it doesn't even have to be a university. It could be some sort of like a research or yeah. like a. I mean, 
I wonder if maybe he was like he went to a renowned design and art school uh, to learn to animate, but he he was always trying to do things that were really out of the, um, I don't know, like out of what the professors and institution could really understand and appreciate. So he was sort of always doing really weird experimental things. Totally. Maybe he graduates or maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just drops out and is like trying to work as an animator. And is that's when he like finds this working in metals and he gets a job working in metals. Yes. Uh, and that's how he's, um, but then he like creates this whole world where he is an artist working outside of sort of either like outside of either traditional medium. He's not really a traditional visual artist. He's not a traditional animator. He does yes. this weird. He's this like hybrid creator. Yeah. He's like a performance artist. What if he was in, he, he was like in love with cartoons as a kid and then something happened and, in his youth that like that really made him grow up like really fast. And so he's just going, he's trucking along. Cartoons are awesome. Cartoons are the best. The world is fantastic. And then maybe there's like a tragedy in his family or something happens to a friend or something. And it it, like this timeline of like cartoons, 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 boom, this thing happens. And like he, like that just kind of, that goes away for a while. So this like thing, this tragedy happens and he goes on, he grows, he kind of stops. He's not infatuated with the cartoons right. anymore, but maybe he's infatuated with making people understand why those cartoons were so important. Like maybe, maybe right. it wasn't even that a tragedy happened. Maybe it was just like he, he had parents or he had a, maybe he was being raised by someone who like put the kibosh on that. Right. And then as he got older, he was like, you know what? That that was really meaningful for me. Maybe he, maybe the cartoons got him through a tragedy when he was younger. Right. And I like that. And maybe he's always, but then and always he's been told that that's not a, that that's not a, that's, that's not important. And that's not, that's, that's just frivolous right. time wasting entertainment that it doesn't have any real value. And then it leads to like this kind of melding of, of art and science and right. it becomes something that people are really drawn to because it's so kind of outside the right. norm. And maybe that is his like artistic drive is to, to in a more meaningful way, connect humans in the regular, in the day to day world in the, the regular moments of our everyday to connect people more directly with, uh, the fantastical like with the with like other worlds with other ideas with other possibilities so that we can better uh, so that we can better process the world with the, the eyes of someone who's seen Wiley e. Coyote yes yes and or whatever and the crushing the destroying of things is um <laughs> like it's it's symbolic of the like destruction of of a mindset like every show right. like he sets out like he wants he like the cartoons that he presents uh establish one point of view that is kind of a commonly held theme or or notion and then he uses the anvils to to crush those things by the end and is like trying to change people's minds about you know whether it's a political thing a social thing he he kind of uses these these cartoons and his art background and the metal to like try to inst- like try to initiate social change through crushing things with anvils. Plus he thinks it's freaking hilarious because dropping it anvils is. on things is 
completely unexpected in cartoons. We and as as an audience, we know it's going to happen, but the cartoons never know. They never know that it's going to hit them. And we know it's going to happen, but he also uses this like classic, probably nearly hundred year old storytelling trope. To he uses that to, in a way, in a format, i.e., actually creating a real anvil in the moment that then drops on a thing and crushes it, to completely blow our minds and yes. shake up our shake up our expectations. It's but it's familiar, but not in that way. And, Oh, well, let's be honest in in this world that he that in which he lives when he makes these shows it does i mean it plays a little pretentious sometimes it's a little sure. but but it's it's also art and it's creativity so we take it with a grain of salt and we 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 process what he's trying to tell us <laughs> but his whole thing is social equality and yeah. justice and people getting like people getting a deeper understanding through art and story and and the ways in which we interact or whatever totally totally well he obviously yeah. dresses like it like totally dresses like a cartoon yeah. once he gets the power and he decides that he's going to be he he decides he can use this to to actually make change in the world without just staging a show. Right. And like, he just totally dresses like a cartoon. So what if once he has this alloy, uh, mm -hmm. melded with his body, he decides that he can attach the projector, like one of the projectors that he's used in his shows. He like yes. attaches it to one of his arms. So then not only can he create anvils out of nowhere, but he can also project like, walls with giant hole like like a hole in the wall yeah. like a tunnel or like a moving train yeah. or something along like he can do like he can project all of these like cartoonish but like re they're realistic in the way that Wiley e. Coyote's uh yeah. paintings were always real those sorts of things he's able to create a thing that in the moment of combat or whatever when he does it like in a high stress moment it's generally always able to fool yes. whoever he's trying to fool. Oh, so villain. We need to do. A, we need. We oh, need a, a nemesis. Very interesting. I kind of planted the seed for one with Bob the Glob. And maybe Bob the Glob is somebody who is sort of the opposite of this fellow in that he he was like the the I don't know like the iron specialist or whatever who specialized in knowing everything about how traditional anvils were made on the team or something and he generally hates what the anvil lands what this person is doing as a like in terms of he feels like it it, it is uh it is disrespectful to the artisans who created in metal for all over the time and for all these years and that that anvils should be used only in specific ways. And like, he's uh, like, if you turn on a Looney tune, a Looney tune, <laughs> if you turn on a Roadrunner cartoon while Bob's in the room, Bob will leave the room because he finds that offensive. That is an <laughs> offensive use of an anvil. Um, and so as an anvil engineer or anvil <laughs> manufacturer or whatever it was, he is, he was like, he wanted to be like the first in on this new project. Right. So that was why he was so eager to get involved. And then like he broke the rule. Like, don't, we don't know what this well, is going to do. Maybe he was real. Maybe he specifically was trying to, um, 
sabotage the project. Ooh. Like maybe he specifically got on the team as like he was on his way out. Maybe he was getting ready to retire or something. And, and he was like, no, I want to be a part of this team and I want to, I'm going to, whatever, I'm going to ruin this. And yes. so for some reason he gets in and he tries to steal some of the, some of the metal, some of the, he gets his industrial uh, ladle. And- yeah. He just has industrial ladle. <laughs> That's a band name. Industrial ladle. <laughs> Bob comes in and tries to steal some and he gets it on his whatever and has, has a similar process happen. Only maybe with Bob, it's like he's just becomes an anvil. Like, <laughs> it's the the least threatening. <laughs> and he doesn't have any powers. Nobody notices. He's very heavy. Like, everybody comes in the next day and there's just this animal sitting in the room. They're like, oh, man. The animal fairy must have left us a gift. That's that's cool. for the rest of time. Bob's just got to get his head banged. <laughs> oh, it suddenly turns very tragic for Bob the Glove. Maybe maybe his head is an anvil. Yes, yes, that's anvil it. Anvil head. That's, that's what he's called. Anvil head. <laughs> but and everybody like everybody calls him Bob the Glob. Like it, it deforms the rest of his body. Like he's kind of, <laughs> kind of like, kind of loosey goosey metal. Maybe he's like, yeah, like maybe it's, ooh. What if his head is an anvil, but his body is like, just like melting? Yes. Like it's just like it's just a slug. Like he doesn't have arms or legs. It's just this like slug body of like molten metal. He needs a power. Well, he had power. He had like. Right. And and maybe he has like like the tools of uh like modified tools of a blacksmith. Ooh, yes. Like and, he's and they're hot. And maybe the anvil is hot. Like I kinda like this idea that the anvil is somehow always just molten hot. Yes. Yeah. That's really good. So he's running around with this molten hot like head yeah. and tools. Like chucking hot pieces of metal. And like he can create like He's not as like instantaneous in his creation, but like he can sit there and like with his special tools, like make an even bigger, like a big sword. I wish everybody could see you drumming on your head as if it were an anvil. (laughs) That's also how Luke and I both dance. Air drums. And now the mega origin. Avery Lancaster was a brilliant graphic artist who also excelled in the field of metallurgy. For much of his adult life, these two passions had led him down the strangest of paths. Disregarded in art school as a sellout due to his extreme infatuation with classic cartoons of yesteryear, and dismissed in academia due to his experimental notions about metalworking, Avery found a niche for himself by becoming the world's first anametal performance blacksmith. Producing large-scale animated works of metal art that normally ended with something getting smashed by a giant anvil. After gaining sponsorship from the Metals and Plastics Division of Ludum Industries, 
Avery was given access to a newly created metal alloy called Steely Flan. It was a gelatinous, self-replicating metal intended for use in military and space applications. But researchers at Ludum suggested it might cut down on the amount of raw material used at Avery's shows. During the first test run using the substance, a saboteur from within the research group's ranks detonated a small bomb that left Avery covered in steely flan, inadvertently causing him to break the first rule of handling the goopy material. Don't handle the goopy material. The artificial steel flooded into Avery's pores and bonded with his nervous system, transforming the very genetic makeup of over 90% of his body. He spotted the saboteur trying to escape and pointed at him. With a mere flick of the wrist, a small anvil formed from the palm of his hand, soaring through the air and sent the mysterious villain tumbling into a pool of steely flan. It was obvious. Avery could generate anvils and use them as projectiles. Avery wielded his newfound powers like an artist who had finally found the perfect brush. Going on the road with his performance art show and occasionally enlisting the help of mega musician Alternative Rick to provide a soundtrack. It was their blossoming friendship that led Avery to add Hero to his artistic repertoire. He traveled the globe, relentlessly crushing things with anvils and espousing the best quotes from his favorite old cartoons. And citizens the world over knew him as Anvalanche. of anvils he <laughs> scoots along on the melted remains so, of his metal body this guy this poor guy is the worst villain okay we can do better the than avalanche this. is never gonna have any problems yeah. with okay. bob the glob anvil head so scratch the glob part <laughs> maybe and that, was, just that was his nickname before he touched the the goo he had right. his his coworkers just called him maliciously called him Bob the Glob, and then right because he had a saggy butt. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Still does as animal head. Sometimes but nobody calls sometimes, you. Nobody's calling out your sla- sloppy. <laughs> How's your sloppy butt doing? He he sometimes finds himself staring in the mirror at his animal head, and then kind of turns and looks at his sloppy butt. It's like, man, sometimes I wish the anvil had gone to the other end. The characters and stories of this podcast are the property of Megaton City Creations. Copyright 2016. 
the sound effects heard in the B-Mega podcast are used under a Creative Commons Zero public domain license.